Good day, our dear listeners, and welcome to PwC's quarterly energy podcast called Let's Talk Energy, where we discuss energy topics from across the world. I'm Bimbola Banjo, partner, Energy Utilities and Resources, PwC Africa. Working in this capacity, I've had the privilege of working with several players in the Nigerian electricity supply industry, particularly in the areas of strategy articulation and development, which is why, dear listeners, pleases me to introduce today's topic titled Solving Nigeria's Energy Crisis. According to data available from USAID, the total grid installed capacity is about 16 gigawatts, albeit Nigeria transmits only about 3.5 gigawatts to 5 gigawatts and further distributes a fraction of that to end customers. To meet the World Bank's benchmark of about 200 gigawatts, significant investments in the generation transmission and distribution segments will be required. And with the already rising cost of living and an impending increase to electricity tariffs, questions around energy affordability have again resurfaced. At the same time, on the 17th of March 2023, President Muhammadu Buhari assented to the constitutional amendments which granted power to the state to regulate and fully participate in all aspects of the power value chain. In June 2023, President Ola Ahmed Tunubu then signed the Electricity Act of 2023 into law, effectively repealing the Electric Power Sector Reform Act, EPSRA of 2005. Nigeria currently operates a centralized grid system. However, the new act allows the states to generate, transmit, and distribute electricity in areas already covered by the national grid. The question remains about first, what the future looks like in a decentralized electricity market, and secondly, what impact this will have on the average Nigerian. To discuss the topic today is Commissioner Dafesi Akpaneye. Dafesi the legal licensing and compliance division at the Nigerian Electricity Regulatory Commission, NERC. is primarily responsible for issuing licenses to all participants in the Nigerian electricity supply industry, enforcing the provisions of the Electricity Act of 2023 and resolving industry complaints and disputes. It is worthy to note that prior to joining NERC, that first served as the General Counsel of PwC for Western Africa. Commissioner Dafe, welcome. It's an honor to have you here. Good morning, Mr. Banjo. It's um, good to be back. All right, great. Thank you. I have a few questions for you, but the big conversation everywhere you go is the Electricity Act of 2023. The first question is, what does the Electricity Act of 2023 mean for Nigeria and for Nigerians? Okay, um, thank you, Panjo. Uh, I, I, I think... 
we we can't start a discussion on the Electricity Act without looking at the foundational frameworks, which is the which was the recent amendment to the Constitution in March 2017 by 2023 by President Buhari. Um, what that did was basically to amend the schedule to the Constitution that qualified the contribution of states to the sector. So the qualification then was um, states could make had legislative capacity over electricity generation, transmission, and distribution to areas not covered by the national grid. So with the amendment, it um, they took out the co- national grid coverage as a qualification, meaning states now have legislative capacity over the entire value chain within the state. So for intrastate activities, states can now, they now have legislative capacity end-to-end for everything that concerns a state. Um, The Electricity Act builds upon the framework by which we, we carried out what most would call the most audacious power sector reforms on the continent of Africa. Um, No country in Africa has um, achieved that level of reform that we did in 2013, whereby there was wholesale reform in generation and distribution which qualified then at the point in time uh, Manitoba was brought in to manage TC and online management contract. Yeah, that's right. And upon the expiration of the management contract, they, they left. Yeah. So we, we did that, we used that legislation. The, so EPSRA was passed in 2004, signed in 2005. And we operated that use that piece of legislation to unbundle NEPA and set the roadmap for the reforms and achieve the reforms in 2013. Um, But it became clear, you know, uh, there's something everyone says that, that said that all laws are due for amendment the day they are signed into law. And um, we, there were, EPSRA was a, Excellent piece of legislation to achieve the reforms, but wasn't a good piece of legislation to address post-reform issues. So um, what the Electricity Act does is it recognizes the powers of the constituting states that make up the Federal Republic of Nigeria to participate in the Nested Value Chain and regulate as well, and also enhances the regulatory powers of the Nigerian Exit Regulatory Commission mm. to effectively superintend over the sector right. and addresses a few post-reform issues that were not previously identified. So from a policy standpoint, there's a clear recognition for the need to have uh, an integrated resource plan for Nigeria, which, which has been t- clearly taken into cognizance by the Act. Right. Um, the Act has also taken into cognizance the need for transition and diversification of Nigeria's energy mix, 
by introduction of uh, renewable targets for um, generators right. and ingeniously also distribution companies as well. As an example of something that was not covered yes, previously. Yes, not, not covered previously by EPSRA. So we, we find ourselves in a position whereby you Nigeria is evolving along with other jurisdictions. Um, electricity regulation is very technical. And um, what we've done in Nigeria now by ha- moving towards a decentralized system, it's putting us in the league of very few jurisdictions that do this. So we've now joined the league of jurisdictions that operate decentralized electricity markets, namely Canada, United States, Australia, Brazil, India. Uh, but one needs to be mindful that these jurisdictions didn't decentralize a central electricity market. The markets grew up, evolved from a decentralized form, and they saw the need to have central coordination. Um, we've built our markets on a central basis. And we now see the need to have to decentralize for more participation. And that introduces its own unique challenges. Um, look at the what constitutes the constituting states of Nigeria. When Nigeria at independence, there were only three regions that we could call states. Then in, I think in 1963-64, you had the Midwest state coming to that. And after that, um, General Gowon introduced 12 states just after the Civil War. Then from 12, went to 19, 19 to 21, 21 to 30, Mm -hmm. 30 to 36. When you look at that from an infrastructural development standpoint, you will bear in mind that a lot of this infrastructure especially for the old, the three regions existed and they were built on infrastructure for Western region, Northern region, and Eastern region. And as you said, carving up, creating more states, those, this same existing infrastructure was now being, wasn't being carved up, but being used to serve the, the states. Where, and from a design standpoint for electricity generation, transmission, and distribution, we've done it, we've been agnostic to who the responsibility of the state that it's been, the primary purpose has been the public purpose to get getting power to Nigerians. When this puts us in a very unique challenge now, that we, we say we move to issue of decentralizing whereby we're looking for greater participation. And this participation now considers the involvement of the states. Um, but when you look at the design, going back to what I'd said on how the states came to be, you have distribution infrastructure that serves. So the same distribution infrastructure serves Ondo and Ikiti. Ikiti was carved out of Ondo state. Um, the same distribution infrastructure will now be going across states and um, states would only have responsibility for intrastate activities 
So if you are thinking what I'm thinking, there's there's a, a lot of work needs to be done for the transition on determining what that transition is because um, our sector is quite expensive. It, it takes about one to about $500,000 to $1.5 million to bring on stream one megawatt of generation capacity. It costs about a million dollars to build one kilometer of 330 KB transmission infrastructure and $400,000 to build one kilometer of 132 KB transmission infrastructure. So when you look at these costs, and um, you you want whatever it is you're doing to to have a synergy that Nigerians should be better off. We should work together. So um, we find ourselves there's going to be a serious transition in that um, we need to work as one, and we need to see this not about who has power, right? In the sense of legal power to do stuff. But we need to work together to bring capital to the table. Because the reason why we've not achieved electrification for all is because we've not made the investment as required, because it's, it's an expensive investment. Mm. So this brings on stream. So we need to see this as you have a team made up of the president yes. and the 36 state governors who are working together to bring on stream capital to develop the sector. So that's what we should look at the EA mm-hmm. to do. But transitioning to legislative capacity, a lot of work needs to be done because you, you're not go- capital will only follow certainty. And with certainty, you need some form of clarity. Absolutely. So the law... And the laws need to be clear. Um, you find yourself in a bit of a quagmire whereby you have one law for federal and 37 other laws. Because bear in mind that the FCT also, even though the, legis- the, the legislative capacity for the FCT rests with the National Assembly, is also a state in court and you can also have proposals, absolutely. Yes. So you cannot you would find yourself with um it also having legislative capacity mm. to have thirty seven electricity regulators mm. dealing with intrastate issues. With this, you don't want to find yourself having as an investor having to look at thirty seven pieces of legislation. So what the National Assembly should have done was exercise the constitutional principle of covering the field, mm. whereby you recognize the respective powers of the states. They have these powers, but Nigeria has only one legislation mm. by which everybody derives his powers from. Mm. Your capacity is defined. You, have, you can legislate on everything you want to do, right. but from an investment standpoint and from a legal standpoint, we're all singing from the same hymn book. Mm-hmm. And it's already in play for in other areas. So when you look at the... That's the covering the fields. Covering concept. the principal concept, yes. When you look at taxation, the Personal Income Tax Act is one act 
that covers mm. the entire country. But the respective state revenue bodies, LIRS, FCT, IRS, mm. use that piece of legislation for personal income tax administration. Mm. So it, it would make sense to have one piece of legislation right. that covers the field, that sets standards, and sets the responsibilities of the um, of the various arms um, st- arms of uh, government, government and states, yeah. and also gives room for states to come collaboratively, because not all states would have the financial capacity to go on it on their own. So some state would want to come together as groups to do this. So a framework where that is recognized. Mm. So I think, but we've we've taken the right steps. Um, we're we are not where we want to be, but we're better than where we used to be. Thank you very much for that, uh, Dafe. Well, you, see, you talked about the states, right, and their capacity to um, implement some of the aspects of the EE. But you also was it last week? Uh, the even this week, I think the Enugu state government. Announced, made an announcement uh, regarding the implementation of the Electricity Act, right? Um, some state governments have drafted or announced their own state uh, electricity laws, signaling their regi- readiness to legislate on electricity in line with the EA 2023. So, in your view, how ready are the subnationals to take on such an Herculean task? That's a very good question, and um, we we saw the need as a commission to take the lead in this area and we we had a session in which your firm um, was in attendance. And you could see there's a lot of eagerness from the states to want to get involved in this area. Um, So the states, everyone's ready. But the important question we need to ask is ready for what? Electricity regulation is something we've only done in Nigeria effectively from 2013. And in doing that regulation, the market has evolved through various iterations. So in 2013, the commission was regulating government. Prior to 2013, the commission was regulating licensees that were owned and operated by government. In 2013, we had the privatization where you had private sector players coming in. Mm-hmm. So getting involved means a lot of things. And it's something that you need to understand what it is you're going into and make the investment. So investment is required from a capacity, human capacity standpoint. Um, when you look at electricity regulation, and, and we've discussed this before, um, it's basically regulatory economics. And um, no institution teaches regulatory economics either at, um, at undergraduate or postgraduate level today in Nigeria. Right. Over an energy law re- with regards to energy in Nigeria is more focused on our primary resource, which, is, which has been oil and gas and not electricity. So a lot of capacity has to be built as we move along the way. Mm. And um, we need to be coordinated. Yeah. And we we can't find ourselves setting 
working at cross purposes. So the legislation, the various pieces of legislation need to work together, which is why you notice I said in our opening that the field should have been covered, mm. whereby the various states do not need to pass laws mm. in order to regulate. So you, you need one federal law that recognizes the powers of the state to set up the regulators, that set up the standards for Nigeria, that set up, sets states the IRP, Integrated Resource Plan for Nigeria, mm. and the state can key in and make laws on how this work within the states. Okay, so, so when you talk about working across purposes, I think that's an interesting point. But I think I will throw that question back to you, Dafe. Um, what is your commission doing to ensure that the subnationals and the federal government are not working um, uh, across uh, across purposes? Okay, so we've seen the need as the the commission is the only institution in Nigeria today recognized by law with the capacity. And a lot of investment has been made in that regard. And the commission, by law, will be the institution that triggers the handover process because the, the notices will be issued from the state, respective states, to the commission. So it's the commission's responsibility to ensure that, one, we support the states, which, and support here means providing guidance, um, supporting with capacity, building and ensuring that there is a coordinated and managed transition so we shouldn't find ourselves in a transition that makes us worse than we were than we are now so it has to be coordinated and efficient so you now need to look at in making a transition you need to look at what are the underlying issues it goes beyond saying you have passed a piece of legislation Right. You need to look at what are the dynamics of my particular area. Yeah. So um, I'm aware that um, Enugu just did this recently. Edo is done. Edo's done. Lagos done. Making an amendment. Ondo has done as well. In fact, Ondo has even issued a notice to the commission. Mm. Uh, but in this regard, we need to ensure that in ensuring that one state transits, you do not find yourself that you're jeopardizing another state. And because all the states are not moving at the same time, you now find yourself in, fine, you have a decentralized scenario, but you now find yourself in a position whereby the federal government is responsible for regulation in one state, and in neighboring state, this is a state government that's, that's responsible. And that brings along its own unique challenges as well. So it's something we need to talk through um, at all levels, engage. Stakeholder yeah. um, engagement is critical okay. at all levels to ensure that we make this work for all of us. Okay. You spoke about investments earlier, right? Um, the question I have for you is, can the NESI absorb any more significant investments that is not channeled towards improving efficiency? For example, procuring additional generation. Can it? So the point is um, why I like um, investment in the in the power sector. Investment in power sector is driven by project finance, mm. and um, project finance 
is the most deliberate financing that you are not going to get unless the lenders can see a line of sight to making a return on that revenue. And the investment on its own is of no use. So a power plant that isn't making revenues on a power purchase agreement is of no use. You can't you can't decouple that power plant and go and sell it. Right? You even if you foreclosed on it, the only source, revenue source, is the revenue that comes from the power plant. Same with the transmission line. If you've built um a three thirty or one thirty two KV transmission line, it's a willing charge that comes from that investment that makes the investment sustainable. So from a due diligence standpoint, no investor is going to provide the money unless there's a line of sight. So we tend to have investments in the power sector that is efficient. Mm. And and the even from a regulatory principle, we we go by Efficiency guides it. So you, the principles of prudence mm-hmm. and use and useful mm-hmm. even guide the use of these investments and how you can make a return on these investments. So you you have to be prudent and you have to be guided. But the point now is the investors need to see a line of sight on how they can get a return for investing in additional generation capacity, investing in transmission capacity, investing in improvement of distribution infrastructure, even down to metering. So in the current market today, yes. is there a line of sight for additional, for procuring additional generation capacity? When you look at the numbers and the demographics, Nigeria is on course to becoming the third most populous country in the world right. by 2040 or 2050. Right. Um, so India is already overtaking China. Nigeria is going to overtake the other countries ahead of us and move the U.S. from number three to becoming number three. And when you look at the demographics, large, over 70% of that population is under 30. Um, We do not have, we are not, and we have aspirations of becoming an industrialized nation. You're only going to do that on the back of the power sector because electrons are the lifeblood of industrialization. So there's there's a need for it, but the issue is uh, we need to address the issues on how you make a return on that investment. You're one of the most common sayings or phrases in the mouth of the lips of Nigerians or in the mouth of Nigerians is grid collapse. So if you go everywhere, you keep hearing grid collapse grid has collapsed and there was one last week so for the benefit of our listeners what is a grid collapse and what is responsible for nigeria's frequent grid uh, collapses okay so in layman's terms um a grid collapse is basically a heart attack so someone has a heart attack you would so it's, it's a shock to the system that because your heart is your basically your power plant and um, it's been beating all your life. And um, anything that causes your heart to, to stop beating is a significant issue. So um, the power sector is a, is a coordinated orchestra. 
and the conductor for that of that orchestra is the system operator. So you have different plants located across the country, all feeding their different capacities to make up our available capacity at any significant period in time. And in doing this, all the plants have to maintain adequate frequency at 50 hertz. So any sudden event that happens whereby you have significant capacity from any plant leaving the grid at any particular point in time. So when you look at you're doing about, we're, we're doing about 4,500 to 5,000 to 3,000 megawatts on a daily basis. Where a plant that has 400, 400 megawatts goes off stream, that's about 10% of capacity for any reason coming off stream. Mm -hmm. Where that is done in a manner that is unexpected. So the recent one we had last week was attributed to a fire. And what happens is your frequency goes up and you need to do some shutdowns. Mm -hmm. So basically, that's, that's what happens. So with time, investments are being made um, in infrastructure to manage that. Um, have adequate SCADA right. system for the country. So there's a um, clear line of sight on the entire grid. Also, once you start to have bring on stream more generation capacity and we increase the generation capacity, you are the auditor. So from a materiality standpoint, once you increase the, the pool, the size of the pool, if a 400 megawatt or 100 megawatt plant goes off, it doesn't affect mm. the whole, it's no, it's no longer a material right. e event. Mm. So with um, investments, um, improvements in the networks at transmission and distribution level, um, increasing our generation capacity, uh, improving the grid monitoring frameworks, um, they, they, they're becoming fewer. Uh, and far between as we proceed. Yeah, great insights. Thanks, Dafe. Any closing remarks on the way Nigeria can usher in a new era of stable power supply and solve its energy crisis? So, from a closing remark standpoint, I, I would say we need to work together. We need to work as a team. Um, we need to see us as being this is our problem and the only people who can solve this problem are Nigerians. Um, no country has been built by foreigners. Um, all the countries we look at today and we are proud of were built by nationals of those countries. Um, China started this journey in 1979. We've seen the Singapore story. We've seen the India story. In fact, in our lifetime, most of us had Indian teachers in Nigeria. Mm. And India's, India's have gone back home and they're build, doing great things. So Nigerians need to take up this challenge and we need to work together collectively to ensure we do what is required to improve the power sector. Thank you for taking the time to join us on this episode of the podcast. We look forward to having you in the future for further discussions on topical issues within the energy sector. Thank you, Manjo.